Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so previously on the podcast, the pesky kids came home to discover their house on fire. Well, really, it was just Joe's computer on fire, but it was all very dramatic. Then the next day, when they went into town to buy a new computer, things went terribly wrong, thanks to Pumpkin, and they ended up breaking the cat lady's foot, which led to them each being given 50 hours community service time. So we're going to pick up the story there with Chapter 4, Hard Drive. Here we go. Dad was out in the garden, trying to repair the turf where the flaming computer had landed the day before. Fixing the dent was straightforward enough. It was just like repairing a giant golf divot. He slid a pitchfork under the depression and levered the soil back up. But the grass itself was ruined. It wasn't just a burn, it was a chemical burn. Plus, there were bits of burnt plastic everywhere. It will grow back. Dad looked up to see Ingrid standing over him. He flinched. Dad flinched when most people approached him, but when six-foot-tall, gorgeous, athletic women snuck up on him completely silently, that caused an extra big flinch. It was also weird that he was the only person she spoke to in English. He didn't like being part of a secret. Secrets were always so stressful to keep. What? asked Dad. The grass will regrow, repeated Ingrid. I don't think so, said Dad. It depends on the chemical composition of the accelerant. If it's in the soil, that could poison the roots. You're more concerned about the grass than the computer, aren't you? said Ingrid. Well, I don't much like computers, admitted Dad, and lawn is harder to grow than you would think. You need to be careful, said Ingrid. Dad looked her in the eye, not something he normally did with anyone, but with her flat Scandinavian accent, it was hard to gauge when there was extra meaning behind her words. I'm always careful, said Dad. This was true. He always checked the stove was off 17 times before he left the kitchen, even when he hadn't been using the stove. What was on the computer? asked Ingrid. I don't know, said Dad. Joe said it had a game called Ping. Pong, said Ingrid. No, not Ping Pong, said Dad, just Ping. No, Pong, the game is called Pong, argued Ingrid, her cool slipping a little. Are you sure, asked Dad. As sure as an axe to the head, said Ingrid. Dad gulped. Is that a common expression in Sweden? Of ancient Viking origin, perhaps? No, said Ingrid. It's simply something I know from experience to be true. Dad gulped again and started trembling. There must have been something on that computer, some data that someone was looking for, explained Ingrid. It's only an old desktop, said Dad. I've had it for ages. It's one of the few things I took when I I left. He looked at his shoes. When I had to leave my family. Could your wife have used it? asked Ingrid. Oh, no, said Dad. The computer was in my office. She wouldn't sneak in there. Dad suddenly realised what he had said. 
Of course she could have snuck in there. She's an international super spy. She wasn't even my wife. Not technically, because her whole identity was make-believe. Okay, but whoever broke in went to a lot of trouble to destroy it, said Ingrid, trying to get the conversation back on course. So they must believe there was important information stored on there, but they couldn't crack her encryption. Oh, the computer isn't destroyed, said Dad. What, said Ingrid. I wrote my PhD on that computer, said Dad. I wasn't going to leave it vulnerable. I disassembled the casing and lined the hard drive with asbestos. I wasn't going to let six years of research go up in a house fire. So you can access the files, asked Ingrid, looking marginally interested, which is Swedish for super excited. If I can get through the molten plastic, and if the impact from the fall didn't cause irreparable damage, said Dad, maybe. They heard the crunch of footsteps on the driveway. Joe, Finn and April were returning from town. What's she doing here? demanded April rudely. Um, said Dad. He wasn't as gifted a liar as his former wife. Um, I I don't know. He looked to Ingrid for help, and that gave him an idea. Because, of course, Ingrid speaks Swedish, and I don't. Speak Swedish, that is. How do it problem with that? asked Ingrid. I don't trust her, said April. Don't be racist, chided Joe. I'm not being racist, said April. I'm being beautiest. I don't trust good-looking people. I'm sure she didn't come around to be good-looking, said Dad in alarm. The last time he had sought the company of an attractive woman had ended very badly. He'd found himself married to a highly violent international super spy. On the bright side, he did have three children as a result, so there were swings and roundabouts. Soccer, said Ingrid. Did she just call me a sucker? asked April. Joe pulled out his phone. I'll look it up. He tapped in the word. Soccer means sugar in Swedish. Oh, said Dad, turning to Ingrid. You want to borrow a cup of sugar? Perhaps you're baking a cake. Ingrid nodded and smiled. Dad flinched at the smile because it made her even better looking. Ha! Good luck, scoffed April as she strode past them towards the house. We never have any food because Joe eats it all. Joe smiled apologetically. Sorry, but it's true. The kids all disappeared inside. I think that's as good as it's going to get, said Dad, as he brushed the lawn lovingly and stood up. You need to fix that computer. Ingrid whispered so the kids couldn't hear her talk in English. If we know what they're looking for, we'll know who they are. Oh, I'll get on it, said Dad. Apart from anything else, I'd hate to lose the original file with all my PhD research. I found some very fascinating details about orchids. Ingrid rolled her eyes. When Dad got back inside, Joe, Finn and April were in the kitchen. Joe was searching the cupboards for something to eat. There's no food, Finn complained to Dad. There's flour and water, said Joe. I can bake bread. Ugh, complained April, as she sat on a stool at the kitchen bench doing nothing to help. That takes hours. I picked some spinach, said Dad, pointing to a flower vase full of big green leaves. Would you like me to steam it for you? I'd rather starve to death, said April. Joe poked his head out of the cupboard to talk to Dad. We have to report to the police station next weekend. First thing Saturday morning. Why, worried Dad. Pumpkin trouble, said Finn. Dad looked even more confused. But the pumpkin festival is months away. Pumpkin barked. Oh, that pumpkin, said Dad. Oh, dear. I can't say I'm shocked. He eyed the diminutive dog nervously. What do you have to do for your community service? We don't know, said Finn. Constable Pike said it would be a 
surprise, said Joe, pulling a jar of capers out of the back of the cupboard and reading the expiration date. But he was grinning about it, said April, so it can't be good. I don't know how that man managed to graduate from the police academy. He's clearly power mad. I'm amazed he passed the psychological testing. Maybe he cheated, said Finn. You can't cheat a psych test, said Joe. Sure you can, said Finn. You just put the opposite of what you think. If April did that, she'd come across as being as peaceful as the Dalai Lama. Ha! That undemocratically elected hack, said April. Do I have to do anything, asked Dad, like sign a form or promise to look after you better? It's fine, Dad, said Joe. If anything needs sign in, Finn will forge a signature for you, said April reassuringly. Oh, thank you, said Dad. But you might want to stay close to the phone next Saturday, said April, because if we have to go to the retirement home to talk to old people, I can't guarantee I won't get in a fight. Old people are so short-tempered. Just then, the telephone started ringing and ringing. Dad acted like there was no noise. Aren't you going to answer that, asked Finn. The phone kept ringing. I'm sure they'll hang up eventually, said Dad. Joe looked about. Where is the phone? Dad looked shifty. Oh, uh... I hid it. Why? asked April. I don't like the telephone, said Dad. They can use it to track you. Who? asked Finn. Who knows? said Dad. Pick up the telephone. A familiar feminine voice boomed throughout the house. The children had heard that voice before. Is that Professor Maynard? asked Finn. Professor Maynard was their mother's boss. For many years, they had thought she was their mother's boss at the Natural History Museum. But really, she was their mother's boss at a top-secret international spy agency. Where did her voice come from? asked Joe. Dad leaned in and whispered, She hid electronic devices throughout the house. I can hear you whispering, bellowed the voice of Professor Maynard. Pick up the phone! Dad begrudgingly went over to the refrigerator, pulled it out from the wall, reached in behind and removed a telephone that had been gaffer taped to its back. No wonder it takes him so long to answer when the school rings him, said April. Dad pressed the green button to accept the call and Professor Maynard's face appeared on the small screen. What have you been doing, demanded Professor Maynard. It's spring, said Dad, so I've been fertilising my bulbs and getting ready to put in my tomato plants. I'm not talking about gardening, snapped Professor Maynard. I'm talking about your mission. We have a mission, asked Finn. Yes, said Professor Maynard. Your mission was to go to a tiny country town and blend in quietly so the collective operatives don't hunt you down and kidnap you to use as leverage against your mother. We've been trying, said Joe. According to my sources, you've nearly burnt down your house, you've created a scene on the main street of town, and you've been given 50 hours of community service for breaking town bylaws, accused Professor Maynard. We didn't set fire to the house, protested Finn. And it's not our fault if the whole town is crackers, said April. No excuses, snapped Professor Maynard. I have invested considerable agency resources into ensuring your safety. All you had to do was pretend to be normal, and you failed. You have let me down. The children have had to do a lot of adjusting, said Dad defensively. They'll have to do even more adjusting if they're kidnapped by the collective and imprisoned in the same jail as their mother, said Professor Maynard. Stop drawing attention to yourselves. 
They'll be doing community service with the police sergeant next weekend, said Dad. They won't be able to get into trouble with him keeping an eye on them. You'd better be right, said Professor Maynard. You can't afford to blow your cover. Professor Maynard hung up, disappearing from the small screen. Oh, she was in a grumpy mood, said April. I heard that, boomed Professor Maynard's voice. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>